Welcome to the Click Podcast. I'm Danny Watson, a mindset and manifestation expert and founder of The Click, a company that helps women overcome their fears and limiting beliefs to create a life and business that they love. Within this podcast, I will help you get clear on what you want, identify the blocks that are holding you back, transform your mindset and raise your vibration so that you can co-create magic with the universe. If you are looking to design a life that truly sets your soul on fire and manifests more success and abundance, then you are in the right place. Are you somebody who finds yourself hypervigilant or sensitive to the moods or emotions of others? So a good example of this is, let's say your partner is in a really bad mood. They come home from from the day and you can hear them crashing, banging about in the kitchen. Now, prior to them coming home, let's say you were in a really good mood. You were thinking about the evening ahead. You're thinking about the things that you wanted to do with your evening. You'd had a really great day. You're feeling really happy. And then your partner comes home. They're crashing about in the kitchen. How do you respond in that moment? Now, I want to share with you how I found myself responding in those types of situations. And I invite you to see if this is something that you resonate with as well. So I found myself very hypersensitive and aware to shifts in other people's moods, especially the people that were closest to me. And then there was a knock-on effect from this. So first of all, it was the impact that it would often have on my own emotions. So being around somebody who was feeling you know, frustrated or angry or sad, this would then have a negative impact on my emotions. And I think for a lot of people, this is very normal. If we're around other people, especially the people that we care about, if they feel sad, we can't help but feel their sadness too. If they feel angry, we can't help but get caught up in their anger and frustrations. So to a large extent, this is actually normal. However, it then leaves us at the mercy of other people around us and what they're experiencing. And we hand over our emotional power to something then external to us. Our mood and our emotions then shape how we're able to show up and act and what we are able to create then moving forwards. So I've had a lot of women that I've worked with who have really complained about the fact that they are trying to keep themselves in this high vibe positive mood, but they are getting dragged down by the emotions of somebody at home. Maybe it's, you know, a partner who doesn't really understand the path that they're on and they're in very much a negative mindset and they feel themselves getting caught up in that negativity. And remember that we are always being influenced by the energy that is around us, the people that are around us, the places that we are finding ourselves in, the experiences that show up in our lives. All of those things are energetic things that impact our own energetic frequency. And you may have experienced this. You know, if you've been sat in a room for a day with a group of people that just are complaining about life and complaining how hard it is and complaining about the negatives, you can't help walk away but feeling negative. If you watch the news and all you're hearing is negative story after negative story, again, you step away from that and can't help but feel the negative impact on your own emotional mood. But then there's this all other side to being affected by the emotions of others. We can be directly affected and they, you know, it can affect our own emotions. But then I recognized within myself, there was this desperate need to want to fix the other person. 
there was this desperate desire to want to acknowledge that they were experiencing something negative and want to be able to solve that. It was almost as if I couldn't relax if they were in a negative mood. It's like I had to come in and, 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 you know, be the fixer. It was almost like I didn't want anything that would disrupt the peace. And it was an interesting situation when I kind of had a bit of a breakthrough with regards to this, because I was actually in a session with a client and I realized that I was not responding in the most appropriate way to her emotional breakdown that she was having. So during the call, a lot of emotions came up for her, a lot of anger, hurt, frustration about a situation that had happened a few months prior. And I recognized this instant need within myself to want to help her fix those emotions. It almost made me feel uncomfortable, her experiencing those emotions. I couldn't just allow her to just have those emotions in that moment. There was a part of me that just wanted to keep the peace. I wanted to keep the mood and the energy of the session light and happy and positive. And I didn't want the session to go there. And after the session, what I always do with my one-on-one clients is I have... I take some time for moments of reflection just to kind of reflect on the session itself and just to kind of think about what have I learned from that and could I have held space for that client in a better way? What could I have perhaps done differently? And this was something that happened very much in the early stages of my coaching journey. So I hadn't worked with a great deal of clients at this point and I think it was one of the first instances where I'd ever had a client actually express emotions during the call for me. And I recognized this pattern of just not kind of really wanting her to just sit in her emotions. I felt like I had to come in and sort of rescue her. So I did a bit of a a debrief after the session and sort of to reflect back on this. And I thought, okay, I want to kind of poke into where this actually comes from, because it's one thing to just say to ourselves consciously, I want to change a certain power of behavior. But if it's something that we are subconsciously programmed to do, I knew I was just going to find myself in that same situation again, where maybe on a surface level, I would be allowing the emotions to come up. But deep down, there would be some resistance there. And what I discovered that This type of behavior is very much a learned behavior. This behavior of, you know, wanting to, well, having this sort of hypersensitivity to shifts in people's moods and wanting to be the one to fix it, you know, not liking the fact that, you know, it disrupts the peace. Kind of having this feeling of you're treading on eggshells around that person. You know, you want to kind of smooth over the whole scenario. It's a learned behavior. And it can often come from at least... I know from my situation, it came from explosive parenting, where I've had, you know, in my childhood moments where there has been huge, huge routes between, you know, my my mum was quite volatile when we were younger. My dad was a pretty cool, calm, collected character. But then every now and again, when he did let off steam, it would literally all go at once. And so there was a lot of really kind of volatile arguments um, in the home, my mum was pretty much a single parent for a big part because my dad used to work away for these really long chunks of time. And she, she had the three of us, me and my two sisters, all at the home. Um, you know, we didn't have huge amounts of money. So yes, we did go out and do things, but we, we spent a lot of the time in the house and we lived in, you know, a pretty small house. 
you can imagine, you know, three children charging around. My two sisters were both in nappies at the same time, so very, very close in age. I now know, being a parent myself, how stressful that environment can be. And when you're in the house with the kids, especially if it's a rainy day, they're young and, you know, you are essentially, you know, doing that all yourself. I know how stressful that can be. And I can look back at that experience and kind of know why perhaps my mum at the time was quite volatile. But going back to this learned behaviour, it was, I was the eldest sibling and I kind of saw myself as the peacekeeper. And I think it's very much tied in with my star sign as well. I'm a Libra, so I like things to be balanced, okay? I don't like when things sort of get disruptive. I really am somebody that avoids confrontation at all costs. But my desire and insistence on wanting to keep the peace or wanting to fix when somebody is experiencing negative emotions, it was this learned behavior. It was because my environment as a child had become unpredictable. You know, we were never to know when, you know, my mom was going to start shouting or my dad was going to start shouting. And I'd had to develop this way of being attuned to their cues, you know, looking out for a change in their mood as a way to help keep me safe. Now, there wasn't any physical, you know, volatility. It was very much just, um, you know, with the voice and shouting. But as a child, obviously, that can be feel like a very scary thing. And so I'd developed these sort of ways to look out for cues as a way to sort of keep me safe. And I would also develop a set of responses that would help protect me from the shouting. So it might be, you know, leaving the room at a certain point. It might be avoiding them in certain situations, you know, not doing the thing that I was going to do. Very much this getting into this sort of people-pleasing mentality from a very, very early age. So it was basically I was creating this response system as a way to keep myself safe by tuning in to the world around me. Now, children don't have the emotional intelligence to say, you can have your mood and I can have mine. So I couldn't in that moment comprehend that my mum could be angry and she could be going off on a run, maybe not even to us. It might have been, you know, shouting about my dad or shouting at my dad, shouting about somebody else. She could have her moment and be angry and be irritable. And we could equally stay in our own moods. We didn't have to absorb her moods as well. But obviously, as children, we don't have this emotional intellect. And so we get into this habit of people-pleasing mode, where we don't have any boundaries and we find ourselves appeasing ourselves to the moods of others. Now, it doesn't always need to look like explosive parenting. It could be just a home where there's a stressful environment. Let's say, for example, um, you know, one of the parents is suffering from an illness or maybe, you know, you live with very little financial means and there's this feeling of worry, you know, oh, I'm, I'm really worried about you. And you then end up suppressing your own needs and emotions because you are worrying about that parent, the child worrying about the welfare or the health of that parent. So that is how it can show up as well. But the idea is, is that we are putting our own emotional needs aside and being distracted by the emotional needs of somebody else. And then when this progresses into adult life, we can find ourselves in a situation where it is uncomfortable for another person to feel certain emotions. 
We can't just sit with that and say, okay, well, you're having a bad day or you're having an irritable moment. You know, you're feeling sad, but I can stand strong in the way that I'm feeling and I don't need to be influenced by your emotions, nor do I feel like I have to change you. I can see you, I can hold space for you to have those emotions, but I don't feel like I need to fix the situation. And I found this for me, kind of learning this lesson was a really powerful lesson for me in my role as a coach because it has allowed me to really hold space for clients who have strong, powerful emotions and not feel negative about them, just kind of see them for what they are. They're experiencing this thing, but they don't have to impact how I'm feeling. And I certainly don't need to try and change them or fix them or feel like I am treading on eggshells. And it has allowed those spaces where emotions have come up you know, they've been such beautiful hearing, healing experiences for my clients because I've not, you know, rushed them through that experience. Now, it's important to realize that when our subconscious has for a very long time relied on people pleasing or appeasing the moods of others for safety purposes, that subconscious programming, it isn't going to go away overnight. But first things first is just to start bringing awareness to it. Okay, so start recognizing where you are being impacted by the emotions of others or you feel the sort of need to want to fix or, you know, appease the mood of others, try and keep them happy in order to keep the peace. Start just by bringing awareness to it. Something else that's really helpful is to actually stop judging emotions. We're so good to judge emotions and label them as bad or as good. So, for example, anger. Let's take the anger of emotion. We're very quick to label that anger as, that emotion rather, as a negative, bad, unwanted emotion. But actually, anger is a healthy emotion. All emotions are healthy emotions because they are either protecting us or teaching us something about our environment around us. So anger, for example, let's think back to kind of how humans have evolved over time. Back when we lived in these small tribal nomadic communities and we, you know, we had to be in this fight or flight mode, anger was a way to protect ourselves. You know, we could demonstrate anger if somebody came in and, you know, infiltrated our camp or there was a a threat to our, our safety or existence. Anger in that scenario was an emotion that came up to really kick in that fight or flight mode and as a almost as a defense protective mechanism. So anger does serve a purpose. And often all of our emotions, they are designed to teach us something. They're designed to serve a purpose. Yet we're so quick to shut the negative emotions down. And I was actually doing a bit of work around this recently, specifically in regards to my children. So my eldest at the moment, she recently turned four. And actually in the past few months, her emotions have become a lot more stable but prior to sort of her turning four when she was sort of in the twos three year old it was that very typical sort of two and three year old behavior where her emotions were all over the place particularly her anger and she would get really angry and frustrated about things you know let's say for example her younger brother could take a toy from her and it would be sort of this explosive anger, snatching the toy back, getting very, very upset, very emotionally charged. And my initial response was to try and take that anger away, <laughs> try and sort of calm her down, rather than letting her sit in her anger. 
you know, as a parent, I thought the best thing to do was to try and say, you know, getting angry isn't good. You know, this is not how we respond to these types of situations. There's a better way to respond here. I was essentially saying to her, it's not good to be angry. Not really fully allowing her to be angry. I'd try and do anything to distract her so that, you know, the anger would go away. What I realized as I was doing this sort of same kind of behavior where I was trying to suppress or change the mood of others, really as, first of all, as a way to make them feel better, but also as a way to make me feel better because it made me feel uncomfortable to be around those negative emotions. Anybody that's been in a room with a screaming toddler will know how uncomfortable that is. But again, I was kind of that repeating that same pattern of just not letting the other person just fully be present in their emotions. In this instance, it was my daughter. And the realization that I had here was that emotions are just a part of being human, being, you know, within the human experience. And they're a part of everybody's own individuality and own authenticity. So if I'm kind of telling my daughter, you're not allowed to be angry. You're not allowed to have this moment of, you know, shouting out and lashing out because, you know, your brother's taken it all. You're not allowed to have that experience and feel that way. And basically basically telling her, you're not allowed to be you. You're not allowed to be 100% authentically you in the moment. There's a more appropriate way to behave. This is how you should behave it. Now, I know parents are here to sort of teach children about how, you know, how they should be showing up and what's right and what's wrong. And there's, there's a space for that. But I don't necessarily believe handling the emotions or suppressing the emotions or getting a child to kind of switch off the emotions and telling them that that emotion is bad is necessarily the right way. And again, comes back to this, this need that we have to just appease the emotions of others, try and calm others down, because in some ways that makes us feel better as well. So coming back then to sort of how we can really deal with this. The first part is the awareness piece, you know, just becoming aware of where you find this habit within yourself. How do you naturally respond to the mood of others, the emotions of others? You know, what is going on internally for you? And when you've kind of got that awareness, can you take a step back and just, first of all, just acknowledge that, okay, they're having this experience I am able to now stand strong in what I'm feeling. It doesn't need to affect me. Can you just kind of detach yourself from their emotions? Just take a step back and think they're a separate person to me. They can have their experience. They can have their emotions. I can stand so strong in my emotions and it doesn't need to affect me. Now, of course, this is tricky because especially when we're talking about loved ones, you know, we want to go in and help. This is where I find a very, very simple five second breath can make all of the difference. And this is something that can be used in any sort of situation where you feel yourself just kind of reacting um, impulsively to a situation. So it might be somebody's triggered your own anger or frustration. The five second breath is you basically take a pause, five seconds and just breathe. So the way to do this is to actually just take a really, really deep breath in. Take as much air into your lungs as possible and then breathing it out for five seconds. And what you're just doing here is you're just 
calming down that that nervous system that wants to perhaps get into that sort of reactive response. And you're just taking that moment to kind of really think and be intentional before you actually step in and respond to that person. So taking pauses actually within my own coaching. Remember I mentioned earlier about being able to hold space for a client who is experiencing emotions. Being able to take a pause for you know, within my coaching sessions has been something that I found very, very challenging at the beginning of my coaching because I felt for me to give value, I need to be feeling every second. <laughs> I, you know, taking pauses is just a waste of time. And I actually realized that, that that space that you create, that is holding space. The silence are often when the breakthroughs happen. And so for me, being able to do this within a coaching session, I found has been very, very powerful. But you can do it in your own life as well, where you just take that moment to breathe, to pause five seconds, and then consciously think about how you're then going to react to that person. Rather than just shutting their emotions down, is there a better way you can respond in the the moment so that they can have their emotions and you can equally have yours? Now, for some people, it might actually be just walking away as well is the solution. You know, if you've got somebody that is highly, you know, irritable, angry, stressed, and not necessarily stressed at you, just stressed perhaps about their day, let's say. In those moments when somebody's in that heightened state of of anger, nothing really gets resolved anyway. So it's often better to just kind of walk away and let that person have their space to feel whatever it is they need to be feeling without kind of needing to drag you into it. You could also perhaps let that person know that you're there and available to talk to them when, you know, they've had their moment to feel what they're feeling. You know, they can come back to you and, you know, once they've, you know, had their moment, you can then have a chat together about whatever it is that they've been kind of going through. So it's not saying, you know, I'm going to see your emotions and just completely ignore them, but it's, I'm seeing your emotions, but I'm not going to engage with them at the moment because I am protecting my sort of emotions. And, you know, I realize that I don't need to try and fix you right now. I just, you know, I'm giving you some space to let you feel what you need to feel, to let those emotions come out rather than just feeling like I need to suppress them in this moment. We can have a talk about things later and we'll probably be able to have a much more productive conversation when, you know, we're not having the whole conversation dictated by the emotion itself. Now, a final little thing that um, it's kind of a little hack that I was taught quite early on um, when I first started coaching was essentially creating for yourself um, a way to sort of protect your energy. So there's actually two little tools that I use here. The first one is the protective bubble. So I am somebody who's quite sensitive to people around me. I'm actually a very much an, I call myself an introverted extrovert. And what I mean by this is if people were to meet me, everyone always assumes that I'm extroverted because I'm quite outgoing. You know, I'm quite sociable. I'm very easy to talk to. I can very easily have conversations with people. But actually, being around other people completely drains my energy. I love it, but I can only do it for a short space of time. (laughs) And I find that if I go somewhere really busy, let's say, for example, when I used to live in London, if I was to get on the tube and then go into sort of central London for the day, just being around so many people, I would get home at the end of the day and I just feel emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually drained. And so I realized, you know, I'm very much 
I have a lot of introverted traits as well. And I need to protect my energy. I don't get my energy from being around other people. I actually get my energy from being on my own. I need a lot of alone time to restore, to recover. So the protective bubble then, if you're going out somewhere busy or you're going to be meeting lots of people or you know that you're going to be around somebody who's perhaps in a bit of a bad mood, maybe somebody you love comes home one day and they're, you know, they're feeling frustrated. It's basically imagining you wrapping yourself up in this big bubble. So I kind of imagine the bubble as a big ball of white light that is surrounding me. And I essentially kind of sort of zip up my my energy field, the space around me. It's almost like it's giving me this protective layer. So I'll take just a minute or so not even that, to just kind of imagine myself kind of then being surrounded, being cocooned in this big, bright white light, this, you know, clear white light that I can see through, but it's protecting me. Just imagining that being zipped up as I go about my day, so I know that my energy is going to be protected. The other thing is the the cutting cords ritual. So this is essentially where you've been around somebody and you can kind of feel Maybe you've experienced this before. You've been around somebody that's in, you know, angry. They're frustrated. They're irritable. They're crashing about in the kitchen. (laughs) And you come away. You go into the next room. You can no longer hear them, perhaps. But you kind of still feel tense. You feel a little bit anxious. When we're around others, our energy is magnetic, right? You know, our energy can influence the world and others around us. So when we are in the space of somebody else's energy, it's easy to pick up and absorb their energy as well. And I found that when I first started coaching, I was like, why am I so tired from doing this? Why do I feel so drained? I've just done, you know, a one hour session where really, you know, in a proper true coaching session, it's really the client that's doing most of the work here. You know, you're kind of holding that space, but the client is really the one that's going through the breakthroughs why do I feel so tired? And I realized it was because I was absorbing the energy from them during that session. And after the session had gone, I still had this energetic bond between us. Almost think of it as a, when you connect with somebody else, you have sort of this imaginary hose pipe that sort of connects the two of you. Now that person can physically leave the room, but you're still connected by this hose pipe and their energy is essentially sucking your energy. They call it sort of energy vampires, somebody that sucks and drains your energy away. And I realized I was allowing this to happen in my own practice. And so this cord cutting ritual really helped me where you essentially kind of imagine yourself physically cutting that cord. Again, you can take a minute to close your eyes and kind of really imagine this, you know, that cord between you and the other person actually physically cutting that cord. So how I imagine it, it can be done lots of different ways, is that I've got a, it's like a giant sword, (laughs) which is made up of bright white light. So this is my, the white energy is the, you know, energy in its purest form. That's kind of how I see it, this bright white light. And what I would do is I would imagine that the hose pipe just being cut with this sword that detachment. My energy is now no longer being drained by yours. And that for me is another ritual that I found really helped. But just going back to what I said earlier, just acknowledging it, 
You know, the first step to change anything is just that acknowledgement. And then can you do that five five second breath where you just take a step back and really kind of reflect on what is going on? Be consciously aware of how you react to the other person's emotions. What would be a better option for you here? Rather than trying to appease them, suppress their emotions, what is a better solution here? So I hope you found this episode helpful and have a wonderful, wonderful week, ladies. Um, I very much look forward to connecting with you on the next episode. Come and say hello, as always, at Danny underscore Watson underscore coaching. I will connect with you again very, very soon. Bye, ladies. If you are wanting to build your own successful online coaching business, make sure to check out Freedom, Abundance and Impact our free 10-day business and mindset course for coaches and aspiring coaches. To access, simply head to wearetheclick.com and click free course in the menu.